How many of you are familiar with the law of the instrument? Or it's also been called law of the hammer. It's a mental bias. You know, it's been, it's been attributed to all kinds of people from uh, Abraham Maslow and Abraham Kaplan to the Buddha and Bernard Baruch and Mark Twain. And as best I know, none of them wrote the words that are most often given to it. Um, uh, but some of them have said things like that. They just weren't the originators of it. Um, so the way it goes is, uh, Maslow did write, I suppose it is tempting if the only tool you have is a hammer to treat everything as if it were a nail. Now, I've kind of figured a lot of us have heard that. If, uh, so there's a woman, well, a woman named Charlene Lobby concluded that we need to, we need choose the tools we work with carefully. Some tools are adaptable, while others should be employed only for their intended purposes. Um, there's an expression from the English called a Birmingham screwdriver, and the Birmingham screwdriver is a hammer. <laughs> It's a reference to the habit of using the, the one tool for everything. You know, it's most convenient or whatever. I can make this work. Uh, in 1868, a London periodical called Once a Week contained the observation, give a boy a hammer and chisel, show him how to use them, at once he begins to hack the doorpost to take off the corners of shutter and frame uh, window frames until you teach him a better use for them and how to keep his activity within bounds. Uh, when I speak of us as tools, I think of that being our use in service of something greater than us. You know, not the meaning of tool that's something that's being manipulated or, or used, but our use is something we choose, right? Or, well, maybe not always, but uh, even when it's for good. I'm, I'm not talking about abusive things today. Um, there are a whole lot of ways to hear a whole lot of things, and I'm asking you to kind of follow along with me here. Um, you know, we want to serve the highest common good, divine order uh, to, in the service of humanity or God's plan, if we choose that language, um, being an implement of love and justice, kindness, what is good, true, beautiful, and worthy. Now, being worthy tool does not depend on what kind of tool we are. Though it may have a good bit to do with how thoroughly tempered we've been, um, or how the metal out of which we were made has been forged. So how much stress can your makeup endure and still serve the purpose for which you are uniquely suited? 
You ever seen this? I'm a little teapot, short and stout. Here's my handle, here's my... Well, what do you know? I'm a sugar bowl. <laughs> Other people sometimes can tell us a lot about what we are best suited for that we don't even notice. Um, sometimes people aren't particularly adept at how they share that with us. Uh, that doesn't mean that we don't need to learn to hear it. Our worthiness as a tool even more so depends on our willingness and our courage to be of service. Like it or not, we may not be the best judges of uh, our skill sets. We know our comfort levels. We know the things that make us most comfortable or, or that are the most fun or that we enjoy doing. Uh, and, and I am not speaking against following paths that have heart for you. Um, but others can recognize strengths and weaknesses that we might have trouble identifying. So what I mean by worthiness is not whether we're deserving or not. As Unitarian Universalists, we believe that all humans have inherent worth and dignity. All humans have inherent worth and dignity. Every human is worthy. Every human is worthy. So the way I'm using the word worthy here in this instance um, is to denote being sound enough for a particular task, suited to a task. Um, there was a scene in the movie Brother, Son, and Sister Moon, ancient show, which was uh, about the life of St. Francis. And in the movie, um, I forget which one it is that's trying to talk to Francis about um, being reasonable and, and doing things that don't upset people so, and come, you know, coming back, he came back from the war, and he should be able to do all this stuff, and Francis is kind of ignoring him and notices a stone sitting over here that has some nice kind of level edges, and he says, that would make a worthy cornerstone. It had substance, it had lines that were suited to the task, and while this guy was spinning off in his noise, Francis was still about trying to rebuild this uh, church at San Damiano that was just a pile of rubble. And so he carried his sense of his task with him and notice things that suit that could serve that task. So if we are looking, scanning for the places that our particular school, skill set, our calling, our our um, strengths fit, rather than trying to force the skill sets we have in every circumstance, 
Odds are we're going to find the pieces along the way that we need to do those jobs better. Uh, while we can acquire adaptability along the way, I mean, you can use the tongs on a hammer for a screwdriver if the slots fit. But if the slots don't fit, you're going to tear up the screws trying to use a hammer to do the work. You can tear things down with a hammer. You can, you know, you can put things up with a hammer. There are hammers that are better suited to tearing things down than other hammers. Um, you know, I know this metaphor is probably going to get really old before the service ends, but. Um, but still, being able to notice when somebody else's skill set is better suited for something than ours, step back, let them lead, whether it's the way we think it ought to be done or not, is a skill set we do real well at polishing and continuing to work on. Our ability to let other people lead when they aren't doing things our way is not stellar. We, we, aren't, we aren't people by heritage that like to let other people um, lead us or have authority. We are people with authority issues. <laughs> And that's not true of everybody. Um, it's, it, it is kind of the nature of a congregation in which we invite diversity, in which no one represents all of us completely. Um, so, you know, we've got hammers, we have people that are sandpaper. We have people that are glue. We have people that are vice grips. We have people that are saws and find the places that things need to be cut and divided and chisels. And I mean, if you look, you can, you, you know, there's that expression, boy, he's a tool. <laughs> it's not intended as a compliment. <laughs> but guess what? It can be. And odds are, if we feel that way about somebody, they are a lesson in the making for us. And they may be a tool to our spiritual development. Our effectiveness, our worthiness is not ultimately an outward designation. And it's very much contingent on the inside work. Finding ways to do that inside work is challenging for a lot of us. Finding ways that we can work on creating spaces from which we can listen to something other than our heads or our feelings, something that involves both of those things without our managing them, but draws from something that is deeper within us than even that. 
I can't explain. The places from which creative insight dawns. Can you? Don't they just show up? And I, and, and I've said before uh, at the festival I go to for songwriting um, and for songwriters, people say the muse likes to find you working. You gotta be doing your part of the work for that inspiration to show up, but you also have to be a receptive container that's not full. If you're a glass, you gotta have space for something to be poured in. We, we all know that story too. So our effectiveness in the world is contingent on our spiritual condition and what pounding and healing and forging fires we've been able to endure so far. I believe we probably all heard the expression that that which doesn't kill us makes us stronger. It's an awful thing to think about. Some of the things people have endured in this world. And we never know what will kill us till it does, right? But the truth is, our characters can be whittled away or enhanced by the, th the challenges that we face. It has to be a conscious decision. Like Viktor Frankl said, we can choose our attitude. Unless we see that there are things and circumstances for which our default settings aren't necessarily the best, and become capable of adapting and working in concert with other tools, we can't build as quickly. We can't build with the same strength and endurance. We can't accomplish nearly as much. And the diversity of the, that that is uncomfortable for us may be the very tools we need to get big steps down the road. I know I've talked before about backing out to a longer view. Sometimes you don't have to back out that far to see an answer that's not going to be right here in the back. When we can see that all of these forces are in this world and have been since the dawn of, of humankind anyway, we can, we can rise above the dark of the battle and find lights. We can find solutions. We can find inspiration. And then we can bring that back to the world and share it with, uh, in ways that can work. There are themes in the Upanishads, uh, Vedas, and Bhagavad Gita that are also reflected in the teachings of Jesus and in other religious traditions. 
and they are about non-duality. They are about the existence of all things as one whole. The reason that our spiritual fitness is so important to our function in the world and our ability to serve is because if we don't start from a place of understanding about that unity, about that oneness, about that you really are part of me, and carry that with us to the places where the separations and the distinctions need to be drawn. If we start with the distinctions and the separations, we can't bring them back to the unity without great, great, great effort. If we carry them with us, they can be healing the whole time. So we have to work to develop that that capacity to hold the tension, to recognize the the unity, to understand that in some very real ways, probably vast numbers of them beyond our ability to comprehend, in our dimensional limitations, in our human box limitations, um, we really are a shared (coughs) existence. The version attributed to Jesus is the sun shines on the good and the bad, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The the things that affect us affect everybody. And the Buddha said that true love is born of understanding, and that kind of understanding is rooted far deeper than our thoughts. Even a hammer can be a bringer of light when it contributes to creating uh, frames that open up what blocks the light. To be worthy tools, we have to work together with those whose gifts are absolutely unlike our own. We don't, for example, view the world as nails to be hammered. That is something that needs care and tending, constant bolstering, and and the light of new ideas. Expanding the circle of our care, being able to stretch that more and more, those are the markers of our spiritual maturity. I said it a couple of weeks ago, and I'll probably spin it around a few more. And the things that that help us grow in our spirits, in maturity, are things that we have to be intentional about. Muse wants to find this word. <laughs>